power on. Trouble sleeping? It's something of a tradition, Guinan. Captain touring the ship before a battle. Oh. Before a hopeless battle, if I remember the tradition correctly. Not necessarily. Nelson toured the HMS Victory before Trafalgar. Yes, but Nelson never returned from Trafalgar, did he? No, but the battle was won. Do you expect this battle to be won? We may yet prevail. That's uh, a conceit, but it's a healthy one. I wonder if the Emperor Honorius, watching the Visigoths coming over the Seventh Hill, truly realized that the Roman Empire was about to fall. This is just another page in history, isn't it? Will this be the end of our civilization? Turn the page. This isn't the end. You say that with remarkable assuredness. With experience. When the Borg destroyed my world, my people were scattered throughout the universe. We survived. As will humanity survive. As long as there's a handful of you to keep the spirit alive, you will prevail. Even if it takes a millennium. Earth 2019. Dominant species, human. Galactic potential rating, zero. Cultural affiliation, combination of government and global businesses, corporatism, legacy institution. Species still conservative, superstitious, and religious. Ecologically illiterate, largely unaware of cosmological foundation of love. Level of technological dependence is disturbingly higher than the galactic standard. Species distracted and behavior controlled by technology companies. System error. Advanced concepts detected beyond normal human levels. New galactic potential rating, over 9000. Transmission type, podcast. Host, The Man of Tomorrow. Brian Sovereign. Source, Sovereign Tech. handful of you survive, you will prevail, even if it takes a millennium. Classic audio, classic talk there from, uh, well, not exactly classic track, though it feels like classic track these days, considering the shit show that uh, short tracks in Discovery are, Star Trek Discovery is. But that's, uh, of course, from the absolute classic, sometimes considered the best Star Trek ever, that being, or episode ever, two-parter, Best of Both Worlds Part 1 from Star Trek The Next Generation. And I got to tell you, right now, as of late, coming to the end of 2019, the end of a decade, 
Coming up, coming up on 2020. Of course, really, the, the end of the decade should be 2021, right? But whatever. It sounds better, and I get to use it now if I say it's 2020. <laughs> I guess that's why everybody else does that, too. But I am definitely banking harder as far as uh, humanity surviving on a thousand years from now. Um, the Golden Stallion, the Man of Tomorrow, Savzu, the Rated R Radio Star, here for you for a little Sovereign Tech course to talk all the latest in tech and science and all other kinds of great stuff uh speaking of other stuff anyway we'll decide later if it's great or not uh you do have your review of terminator dark fate coming up during the climax of this episode uh ellen and i finally caught it um and well it actually will play into a theme throughout much of this episode and i'm going to try stay very calm during this episode i'm going to try you know, if you want your, your happy-go-lucky good times or whatever, I, well, actually, I don't know what episode you can listen to where you get that, but <laughs> perhaps go listen to previous episodes. Every episode of Sovereign Tech always kind of, kind of plays on a theme, and uh, one is never quite like the other uh, as far as content goes, even though we, we constantly revisit subjects, that's for sure. And we're certainly going to be revisiting one here. And we're going to be revisiting the subject of, well, the smartphone and its place in, well, in humanity, in civilization, what it means to all of that. And in fact, really that review of Terminator Dark Fate, you know, while I'm happy to get geeky and talk about one of my favorite franchises, uh, certainly plays heavy into that conversation. And with that said, we also are going to be doing, and I've done this a couple times over recent episodes, where we're going to flip, even though we're going to run HackSec, What's actually would normally be the story of the week I'm going to do during uh, the segment for HackSec and what's for originally for HackSec I'm going to do during story of the week. So just so you understand, but, but they play off of each other very well, but I think it's important to set the stage with our, what is really our story for HackSec, where we talk about all, uh, you know, issues of hacking and security and so on. I think it's more important to set the stage with that story and then get into the broader ramifications and they are broad right down to a college course that, uh, that we'll cover when we actually get to that part of the segment. So with that said, uh, well, you know, okay. Before, before I get into this, the, the, we'll get into a little bit of front matter, a little bit of what we call the foreplay, the little stories. I have an observation that I want to cover that frankly, it also plays completely right into all the stories that we have to cover this week on Sovereign Tech. But I'm not, I'm, like I said, I'm going to try and keep calm here because it frankly enrages me to no end. Um, and I have not been a happy boy like the past couple days because of it. So, but before we get into that, something that does make me happy, you know, let, let, let us open up with a little bit of happiness. Something that does make me happy is none other than Bitcoin. Woo! You want to talk about technology that actually fucking works? That is Bitcoin for you, baby. And you want to talk about something that has a pretty impressive history of being worth a damn? How about gold? How about we do a little Sovereign Tech sponsor that combines both of these remarkable... Can we call gold an innovation? I think we should. But that gets into a big conversation. Regardless, both of these remarkable things that you can get, uh, well to some degree, your hands on, right? Can you really get your hands on Bitcoin? <laughs> but that's okay. 
because the value's in the transmission, baby. And Bitcoin and gold. If you want to get either of those, both of those, start trading around, get involved with some other cryptocurrencies, you want to go to none, none other than Sovereign Tech sponsor Vault Toro. Vault, you know, like a vault, something secure, and Oro, which is the Spanish word for it. Guess what? Woo, gold. So it's Vault, V-A-U-L-T-O-R-O, okay, Vaultoro.com. You want to go there, you can get a wallet set up there in seconds. You can start trading, start getting your action on, start messing around with cryptocurrencies, gold, all of it. This is a company that's been in business since 2015, and baby, in the blockchain space, that is a goddamn eternity. Okay, and these are people that I trust. And I mean that. I trust. I have worked with them on other projects with some of the people there. I mean, I th these are people, they are in my dream team of operators in this space. That's how good Voltoro is, okay? And you know how fucking picky I am, all right? The man of tomorrow doesn't have to play favorites with anybody, but these are my favorites. You want to go to Voltoro.com if you want to start getting in on it, or even if you're seasoned in the blockchain space, in cryptocurrencies, Voltoro is an option you want to look at. And they have all kinds of things going on there all the time uh, that you that you want to look into, all kinds of projects that you can jump in on. I mean, it's really amazing. Again, these are people that you can trust. This is an organization. I am to I'm totally behind this. I love it. And I'm so honored that they are a fairly new Sovereign Tech sponsor. I am so honored by that. Voltoro.com. And do me a favor. There's no special URL. They just, they appreciate the head guy over there just appreciates what Sovereign Tech puts out every single week. He loves it. Just tell him you heard about it from the Golden Stallion. He's going to know exactly who you're talking about because we're friends. So <laughs> he'll know the score. Voltoro.com. Serious as can be, baby. You want to jump on this. Get your gold. Get your cryptos. Get it going on. Voltoro.com. All right. Now that we got that out in the opener. Let's get into what the fuck's been pissing me off. <laughs> it's not Voltoro. Voltoro does the exact opposite. Voltoro gives me, I don't like to use this word hope. I fucking hate that word. But Voltoro gives me some, is placidity a word? I don't know if that's a word. But it gives me a, a, a sense of serenity. How about that? It helps me feel serene knowing that there's at least something out there that knows what it's doing. There's a business out there that knows what it's doing that's involved in the right technology and that's worth its salt. But this, ooh, ooh, it would come as no surprise that the man of tomorrow would ever get mad about something on social media. <laughs> I know, no, and nobody's shocked. But I want to talk about this, and frankly, this isn't the first time that this has come up. And I dare say, I dare call conspiracy on the matter. On the affair. And in fact, we might even take it one step further when we get into the fun realm of fiction, or should I say science fiction and speculation, when we end up talking about Terminator Dark Fate later on. And remember, science fiction is not just fiction. Okay? Science fiction is a mental tool for how to process the rapid technological change that we as a species especially deal with in the early parts of the 21st century, certainly had to deal with throughout the 20th century. I think that's why science fiction finally took its place in the 20th century. At the, frankly, I think the top of the heap as far as genres go. Because it was necessary for people to be able to process what was happening, the technological, the dramatic technological change that was occurring throughout the 20th century and the 21st century has been no slouch even if it does feel pretty dystopian. But 
We'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's talk about the re- let's talk about reality. Let's talk about something that's happening right now, 2019, this year, 2019. And like I said, this has happened before. And I've noticed this on uh, on Instagram. Of course, you don't have to have an Instagram account to look at Instagram. And often enough, people have like their entire homepages and shops and everything all set up on Instagram or whatever. And I'll admit, as somebody who's very serious in uh, in the bodybuilding realm, uh, in fact, shout out woo, to a, a genuine hero of mine, Mike O'Hearn. Big fan, big fan. Uh, just got a hookup from him on, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, <laughs> love you, man. That's, that's, I'm so honored. But, uh, you know, there's people, including like Mike O'Hearn, who I just, you know, want to see what's up, what they have going on. They always have great tips and and other things that they're, you know, doing on Instagram uh, and so on. And they are people who where their business, you know, especially like for fitness people, their business is genuinely very visual because you're not going to. It's one of those funny things. And I'm, I'm not I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not insulting anybody. I'm just saying it is often very strange. Well, how about we talk about it like this? Let me, let me, let me frame it like this. If you, well, here's another popular guy who actually puts great stuff up on, on Instagram, isn't really active on Twitter. Twitter is really the only social media platform that I do anything with. It's the only one that, that I bother uh, with. And I do share things I've been sharing. Actually, I've been sharing uh, some of my private library of books that I've had professionally scanned, been sharing them recently. Uh, in fact, if you want, go check it out. I put up a copy of The Private Life of Julius Caesar. You have no, go, go ahead, go ahead. I will, you have, you have the man of tomorrow's blessing to hop on, fuck Google, but go to Google. Okay. Go ahead and go to Google and you try and look up information about this book. This is how rare this book book is. It's a fictional novel. It's by the guy that created Wonder Woman. Came out in the fifties. It's, it's actually kind of a, 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 uh, a very sexied up version of a book that was already very sexied up called Venus with us from 30, from 1932 that ended up coming out, I think in 54 that he, he got a re-release on it because it became so popular for, you know, Wonder Woman and everything else that he was doing. He's also the guy that created the lie detector test. Uh, I am a, I'm not saying William Moulton Marston is a great man, but uh, I'm a fan, including of his book, uh, The Emotion of Normal People. Uh, I think he, I think there's a lot to take away from disc theory and things like this. But anyway, I put that book up. You can go to Twitter and you can actually get some fucking value which is really what I'm talking about here is getting value out of this stuff, but that's incredibly rare and in saying that, you know, there are platforms that some platforms, it makes sense for what the business, the person is in for them say to use. Okay. So for example, like with Instagram, Instagram is a very visual medium, right? It makes sense when you are a Michael Hearn or the guy I was going to mention Jeff Cavalier. Now, Jeff Cavalier, uh, of Athlean X, you know, he is a guy who is in tremendous shape. Uh, he has the, the evidence to show that he is not some genetic freak. In fact, he, he would argue perhaps that he lost certain parts of the genetic lottery, you know, his smaller guy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's a, it took a lot of effort for him to get in the tremendous shape with, I mean, and this guy is really is in tremendous shape, uh, that he is in now when he gives you some kind of, uh, workout advice or some kind of dietary advice. Are you going to listen to him? It's probably a pretty good idea to, to, to give him a listen because clearly whatever the fuck he's doing works for him, especially when, uh, granted, I mean, he has, you know, he does have education in the matter. He's like, a, I don't want to say a physical therapist, but something along those lines. Um, but especially when, you know, he, because a lot of fitness does come down to genetics, 
you know, what, what part of the genetic lottery did you win? Because some people can't get big calves, some people, etc. Okay. You know, coming from a guy who admits his flaws in the genetic lottery, shall we say? Yeah. I think he's a worthwhile person to listen to. And you, you know, he needs to prove that to you that he knows what he's talking about by showing you, showing you him. It is a way of, you know, proving uh, that he has some idea at the very least of what he is talking about. So people like that in the fitness space, I get it why they use uh, Instagram, you know? And do I like Instagram? No, it's a Facebook property. Fucking delete all Facebook properties, okay? And if I could, I would tell Michael Hearn and, and I mean, well, I kind of have, and, and Jeff Cavalier and others, I would say, look, all you, get off of there. Like, stop, stop promoting that. You, you know, you're, you're, you're fucking with things, and I'm going to tell you why in just a second. Okay, but, I mean, there's a point to going there. There's a point to doing that. I get it, okay? You know, there... I understand why they're there. I'm not necessarily here to critique, but I am going to critique this. What I'm about, what I'm going to talk about here. Okay. Cause this, and this is happening both on Instagram. I've seen it there. When I look at people on there again, you understand why. Okay. I don't like having to go to Instagram. I don't want to use an Instagram account. You don't have to use an Instagram account to check out things on Instagram and get some kind of benefit from what's there. Fine. Okay. You do what you do. Now that is not an argument to use Instagram. Like it's really not. I just understand why people do, uh, you know, but this has also been on Twitter. I have no idea if it's been on Facebook proper. I'm sure that it has. I imagine it's on, I don't know what the fuck's the other things. TikTok. It's probably on Snapchat. Somebody at some point basically said, and I don't, I've, I mean, and it, I tried, I tried looking into this a little bit, but I'm just, I can't spend that much time on social media, uh, without wanting to, you know, take one of these pens at my desk and jamming them into my ear till I'm bleeding out. Okay. I can't look at social media that long before I want to do that. Okay. And then I don't think that it's a, it's helpful for me to, you know, be dead. So I don't spend that much time on social media. Neither should you, but whatever. Okay. So I don't know. I have no fucking idea other than maybe it's because it is the close of a decade that people maybe just want to look back. Maybe this is how it got sold to you that you want to look back at, wow, where were you 10 years ago? Now that the decade is coming to a close, right? And I see this everywhere. And so many people are posting these 2009 and 2019 picture comparisons and maybe telling a little bit of their story. Okay. So they'll share a picture of them from 10 years ago, and then they share a picture of them now. All right. And I know what most people think, or at least I'm hoping that this is what most people think, because I mean, while, while, you know, ignorance is no excuse, at least it makes me feel a little bit better about it. That people are just as they have been, people are just dumb. Okay. What this does, whether it was intentional, whether it was a campaign set up by, because when this has happened in the past, there haven't been great reasons for it. And we'll talk about those. Okay. And that's, and I'm certainly far more conspiratorial about those, but effectively this 2009 to 2019 comparison, do you have any idea how helpful this is to facial recognition software? Did you even think about that when you shared it? Because I bet some of you did. Or worse, did you know, did you think about that? And did you not care? And that's the worst part. 
That's why I say I hope people just were just too dumb to realize, oh, who shit, this is probably going to, uh, you know, help out with the surveillance state, with the surveillance society and so on. I'm hoping people just didn't think about that. As terrible as that is regardless, I mean, it speaks to an overall problem and why, like I said at the top of the show here, why I said I'm banking on that millennium <laughs> for when humanity might finally get it right if it can fucking survive. Because, uh, yeah, I would not be surprised if Facebook slash Instagram, because uh, that's probably where it started, then it, you know, kind of migrated to Twitter or whatever, or if it's just Silicon Valley and some kind of Silicon Valley cabal. Hey, maybe that exists. It would fit a lot of the facts, frankly. And to say nothing of, you know, the fact that the government is so entrenched, they've opened offices even more so just, just in the past year in Silicon Valley. You know, so we can be closer tied to what's happening in Silicon Valley. Why, why, why would they want to be closer tied to what's happening in Silicon Valley? Well, probably to bolster their own power. Anyway, corporatism. Woo. I'm guessing this started on Instagram, and I wouldn't be surprised if somebody at Facebook slash Instagram HQ said, okay, we, uh, we got to meet our, our quota for getting our face recognition algorithms up to snuff. Somebody put out there, let's, let's hire a few influencers, which digital influencers is the dumbest goddamn profession. No, no, don't tell me, isn't it a wonderful world that we live in, uh, where, where entrepreneurs can just be beautiful people on Instagram and they can make money. No, no, it's not. That's not a good thing. Especially when people become so, oh man. Uh, well, all right. I don't want to get lost in the weeds on that because we could have that conversation. Okay. I don't even, I would never want to live that life. These poor cosplayers and other people. Holy shit. Anyway, they probably hired some, I don't know. They, they might've paid some celebrities, whoever that started this whole 2009, 2019 photo comparison thing. And then everybody else thinking that they, Oh, I'll be so cool if I do this and want to get in on the hashtag so they can schlep off some bullshit book spread their legs like some cheap whore for these fucking whatever social media, whatever company, no offense to, to whores. You're, you're wonderful prostitutes. I, I really sex work is real work, folks. That's real work. Not fucking Insta famous nonsense. You started sharing all this just to get your hashtag out there. I don't know. Maybe you're hoping you could get Oh, if I could just get two more likes, <laughs> please, two more likes, give me value in my life, make me feel like I mean something because you have no self-meaning. And so you whore out your fucking pictures of you, frankly, to these companies, photo, you know, and, fa and, and ultimately facial recognition algorithm. I'm not going to use the term AI, okay, because that term gets used too much. But if you want to bake it in with that, fine. Maybe that'll make sense. Maybe that'll help you make more sense of what we end up talking about later on. But I'm looking at this and people are just doing it. Oh yeah, sure. Here, 2009, 2019. And, and again, I mean, my best hope, the, the best case scenario is just that people just don't think about it and they just don't care. And they've just given up or well, maybe not the given up part. That's not part of the best case scenario. It's just, just that they don't think about it and they don't realize what they're doing. But that's exactly what you're doing. And let's be very clear about this. Bolstering facial recognition software operated by 
the corporatist system that we live under, is bolstering authoritarianism. It is degrading, well, not only, not only your, if you want to call it that, not only your soul, it is degrading to your personhood, but it is degrading your privacy that you can possibly have in this world today. And good luck with that anyway. Something we'll talk a little bit more during the uh, Dark Fate review, actually. And it's not only you. Because, again, you know, yeah, you're using your face to, you know, basically make this software or these algorithms more efficient at detecting differences in faces at, you know, age at the aging process and all that. That doesn't just work against you. The more powerful you make these algorithms, the more powerful and and the more ability they have against everyone. So. That's nice that you think, well, it's just me and I'm okay with privacy or, you know, I'm okay with giving up on my privacy. Maybe you even have that kind of awareness, but then what do do you give a rat's ass about any other person on this planet for like half a second? Probably don't. You certainly don't if you shared this, because again, this is something that is effectively while it might not, while it might not inherently be lethal, it is effectively weaponized against every single human being on the planet. And you could say, "Why? Well, I, I had, I had no idea that, that 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 just sharing a picture of me from ten years ago and comparing it to today with that hashtag that makes it all the easier for that algorithm to find out who's sharing what, and that it's something that they can bake into their their facial recognition process." I had no idea that that was going on. Again, that's the best case scenario of all this. That, that, that that's the deal. What I hope is not the case is that people do know this and they just don't care. And they just, they're like, well, you know, we're all fucked anyway, so we might as well share it. God damn it. You just throw in the towel on being a fucking human being. You throw in the towel, and instead of being a human being, you're just going to be a cog in the machine. Man, three cheers. Three cheers. Bravo. You know, this is why we need social media. Because just because you can't find enough meaning in your own fucking life, and you have to go online to somehow justify your fucking existence, you have to share every little bullshit nonsense about what you fucking ate or who the fuck knows what else, because goddammit... You can't appreciate it yourself. <sighs> yeah. Well, I hope I hope Guinan's right. I hope Guinan and Picard are right. That as long as as long as a few people in humanity still hold on to their humanity, that that will survive. I hope so, because the rest of you, I mean, you're basically you're creating your own panopticon. You're creating your own prison. Yes, it's that, it's that serious. No, it really is. You, you are, you are morons and I'm so fucking livid at you because again, this is just like, like we've talked about with 23andMe, you're not just handing over your genetic data. When you hand over your genetic data, you're handing genetic data about, 
your second cousin. You're handing over genetic data about all kinds of people that you don't even know who you could be implicating because again, all that gets handed over to the authorities. And if you think that facial recognition software at the end of the day is about nothing less than the authorities. And if you can, if it does, if, if the fact that the place where it's being implemented the most is one of the most totalitarian fucking places on the planet, AKA China, that's not a sign of things to come. And oh boy, we better not even talk about the bullshit that, that China's causing with, or the Chinese government's causing with Bitcoin. Woo. If you want to talk about authoritarianism and what's to come. If you can't see that, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, again, I, I get it. You think, oh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm just sharing pictures. No, you're not just sharing pictures. You are bolstering this entire system of domination. You absolutely are. And it thrives on the fact that either A, you're too distracted to think about it because you're constantly looking at your fucking smartphone. Oh, we're going to talk about that more. Or maybe it's because, I don't know, you have to work 80 hours a week just to survive today because you got to pay for a ridiculous, you know, uh, oh, how ridiculous things cost today. Okay. What, whatever it is that's keeping you from really thinking about it. All right. And, and I'm, I'm, and boy, another conspiracy. I mean, to say that the system is set up to keep you from fucking thinking, I mean, whoo boy. And we have covered all those reasons many times on this show. I, I hate opening up with such a, well, I don't hate it. I, no, I do hate it. I hate the fact that I, that this is even a subject. I really wish, I really wish that I could just open up shows of sunshine and rainbows. You know, and just, oh, this is so exciting. Yeah, we just had a three-stage rocket land on Mars. I mean, I, you know, I'd love to be talking about that stuff. But we're never going to get to any of that when we live in a society that is so distracted and that is chaining itself, you understand, forging its own fucking chain from having the freedom to do the beautiful things that humans do. Yeah, I can't do it. I know, I know. And, and look, email me. If you think I went way too, I'd love to hear this. I'd love to hear the argument. Oh, Stallion, you went way too far with something as simple as sharing those pictures. I want you to email me and tell me about that. Go ahead. Hell, I would, I will invite you onto the show. I will invite if you, if you think that I am so off base that really this is just something so simple. I mean, again, we've talked about this. Why do so many companies, especially the tech giants offer unlimited photo storage or even, or very large amounts of photo storage because they're feeding all that shit into their fucking algorithms. They have, they do not do things for free. They have to get monetary compensation of some kind. There has to be value in that data that they are collecting from you and allowing you to store for free. And I guarantee you it is that because whatever government or whatever is going to pay handsomely. Okay. Or, you know, for the technology that can, that can see so well through, through, through photos and cameras. And, you know, while we're talking about that, Let's get into what is effectively our, what's supposed to be HackSec, but again, we're, we're kind of reversing it uh, just, just a little bit here. Okay, let's talk about this. And the story here I actually have is from Forbes, okay? And this is from, uh, let's see, November 19th, 2019, incredibly fresh, just a few days ago. Here's the headline, okay? And just to show you the power of the camera, Google confirms Android camera security threat. 
hundreds of millions of users affected uh, by Davy Winder here. Let's read a little bit of the story and we'll talk about it. The security research team at Checkmarks has made something of a habit of uncovering alarming vulnerabilities with past disclosures covering Amazon's Alexa and Tinder. However, a discovery of vulnerabilities affecting Google and Samsung smartphones with the potential to impact hundreds of millions of Android users is the biggest to date. What did the researchers discover? Oh, only a way for an attacker to take control of smartphone camera apps and remotely take photos, record video, spy on your conversations by recording them as you lift the phone to your ear, identify your location, and more. Oh, <laughs> standing breaking. I, not much. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, if you're worried about your privacy, this isn't so bad, right? Reading on. All of this performed silently in the background with the user none the wiser. When the Checkmarks security research team began researching the Google Camera app on the Pixel 2 XL and Pixel 3 smartphones that were to hand, uh, they found several vulnerabilities. All of these were initiated by issues allowing an attacker to bypass user permissions. Quote, our team found a way of manipulating specific actions and, in and intents. And quote, uh, Arez Yalan, director of security research at Checkmarks said, quote, making it possible for any application without specific permissions to control the Google Camera app. The same technique also applied to Samsung's camera app, end quote. The implications of these vulnerabilities, given the footprint of Google and smartphone, uh, Samsung smartphones uh, alone, presented a significant threat to hundreds of millions of users. Stallion breaking in, and before you say, well, this is why I use an iPhone, hello the fappening. Right? I mean, just because, say, the Apple camera app, okay, all oh, those, those wonderful multiple three cameras, which, oh, that's all about taking a better picture of you. Yeah, which, again, in turn, gets fed into a fucking algorithm designed to track the fuck out of you and identify the shit. Ugh. Vulnerabilities don't mean anything when where those photos get stored, i.e. iCloud, not i.e. as an Internet Explorer, but iCloud... If that can get cracked into, like the fappening, remember the fappening, where even celebrities and all, you know, they thought all their shit was secure and they had all their nudes and everything. And next thing you know, we're looking at, uh, I don't know, pick a celebrity gal, uh, <laughs> uh, Christina Hendricks. There you go. You're, we're looking at like nude pics of Christina Hendricks before we realize it. So don't think you're safe on Apple. Give me a fucking break. Reading on, the vulnerabilities themselves allowed a rogue application to grab input from the camera, microphone, as well as GPS location data all remotely. The implications of being able to do this are serious enough that the Android Open Source Project specifically has, has a set of permissions that any application must request from the user and be approved before enabling such actions. What the Checkmarks researchers did was to create an attack scenario that abused the Google Camera app itself to bypass these permissions. Not that that's even necessarily necessary, right? Because... The average person is like, oh, well, my app needs to do this so I can get, uh, I don't know, some free thing from this thing I'm about to scan or whatever. It needs to take a picture, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, they instantly hit allow or to save some porn to my phone, which I mean, hey, rock and roll, uh, you know, to save some porn to my phone, uh, I have to give it storage access. So allow. Right. Most people don't stop for two seconds to say not allow. I mean, I would argue that unless you really, really need an app to do something and it's asking for those permissions, always hit not allow. Anyway, so they got past this, but what's the one, here we go. They did so, 
Okay, how did they bypass the permissions of the camera app? They did so by creating a malicious app that, ex this is check marks, that exploited one of the most commonly requested permissions, like I was just talking about, storage access. Quote, a malicious app running on an Android smartphone that can read the SD card uh, not only has access to past photos and videos, but with this new attack methodology can be directed to take new photos and videos at will. End quote. Checkmarks created proof of concept exploit by developing a malicious application. It was actually a weather app of the type that is perennially popular in the Google Play Store. This app didn't require any special permissions other than basic storage access, which Stanley breaking in, look, as the person, which I am, as the person that wrote literally the guide to Android security. I wrote the book, you understand. Most apps will at some point ask for storage access, even a weather app, and there are times where it makes sense for it to have that. Now really, it, it does, okay? But that's the severity of this, that's the seriousness of this. And are we gonna talk about real solutions? Yes, we will get to that. This app didn't require any special permissions reading on other than basic storage access, but by just requesting the single commonplace permission, the app would be unlikely to set off user alarm bells. We are, after all, conditioned to question unnecessary and extensive permission requests rather than a single common one. This app, however, was far from harmless. It came in two parts, the client app running on the smartphone and a command and control server that it connects to in order to do the bidding of the attacker. Once the app is installed and started, it would create a persistent connection to that command and control server and then sit and wait for instructions. Closing the app did not close that server connection. What instructions could be sent by the attacker resulting in what actions? I hope you're sitting down as it's a lengthy and worrying list and I will cover this list. Here's number one. Take a photo using the smartphone camera and upload it to the command server. Number two, record video using the smartphone camera and upload it to the command server. Number three, wait for a voice call to start by monitoring the smartphone proximity sensor to determine when the phone is held to the ear and record the audio from both sides of the conversation. From something that, that, that's basically accessing camera permissions. Reading on. During the, those monitored calls, the attacker could also record video of the user at the same time as capturing audio. Capture uh, GPS tags from all photos taken and use these to locate the owner on a global map. This is something, another thing that, that, that people don't recognize is that there is a lot of data in those image files. Okay, there's a lot of metadata there, including when was the photo taken, per, perhaps location data. I mean, it varies, but this is a very serious thing that people don't think about. Reading on. Uh, here's another one. Uh, access and copy stored photo and video information, as well as the images captured during an attack. How about this? Operate stealthily by silencing the smartphone while taking photos and recording videos so no camera shutter sounds to alert the, uh, alert the user. Another one. The last one here. Uh, the, the photo and video recording activity could be initiated regardless of whether the smartphone was unlocked. Woo! So what's the solution? Of course, toss your smartphone into a lake of fire, as I always say. You know, turning it off, sure. You know, turning it off would have kept this from happening, but you'd have to fucking leave it off. That's how bad this was. Now, let's start breaking this down just a little bit more, okay? Uh, the article goes on, but bottom line being is that this is, this wasn't revealed. Forbes, at the very least, whether or not check marks reached out to them or how all that worked, they were not able to talk about it. This was not revealed by Google. This was not confirmed by Google until just recently as the story came out, which was November 19th. However, that it's only finally been revealed and not to say that this is bad practice. This is standard practice in cybersecurity. It has only been revealed because now Samsung and Google have released patches for the camera app. However, check marks alerted Google months ago. 
months ago, back in, I, I want to say it was in July, I think the story goes on. Uh, it was in July of 2019 that they were alerted. And at the time, Google only treated it as a, uh, a medium threat. Like they have different threat levels. And then after check marks, you know, showed the proof of concept and everything, Google suddenly said, oh, this is high. This is not medium alert. This is high alert. This is, this is something that has to get corrected immediately. But it still took until now for that vulnerability patch to come out. Now, talk a quick second on solutions for the everyday person, okay? As I recommend often, all right? If you are buying an Android smartphone and you are not buying an iPhone, again, we already talked about why iPhones are not this, you know, bastion of security in this situation. Okay. Androids aren't, aren't bastions of security for the same reason that I mentioned with, uh, with iPhones. It just didn't exactly. Well, actually with the fappening specifically, there were pictures that showed Android phones. So you do have to wonder about that, but then maybe that was still just all iCloud data and it was just a picture that they transferred over from an Android phone or something. Regardless, that's not what we're talking about here. Okay. As I always say, okay, even though this took a long time to get fixed and you were not aware of it, the practical solution for the everyday person, okay, as I have said, is buy either, I mean, even though this happened to Pixel phones, okay, buy Pixel phones because Google puts out security updates faster than anybody, any other company out there, okay? Now, granted, Android now separates security updates from OS updates, more specifically, but still not every phone that you get is going to get the Google, you know, certified security updates. All right. So you want either a pixel phone from Google, or you want what's called an Android one phone. Okay. And an Android one phone is basically a pixel phone from another manufacturer that will get, it gets a clean Android experience and will get all the latest updates. Now you could also get really saucy and pop on Lineage OS or some other custom ROM that maybe doesn't fall prey to Google software, okay, or, you know, to Google issues, which is a thing. And, and granted, though, this also had to be patched to AOSP, so I would argue that to some degree there's, there's a, or I would argue that there's a chance that this could also affect Lineage OS, okay? So don't think you're just off the hook because of that. But what matters is, is that you're getting regular security updates. And the only way to really do that is either, you know, maybe a custom ROM is a good option. That's a possibility. Okay. Or you have an Android one phone, which is, I think for the average person about the best thing that they can do. Motorola sells them. There's, I mean, you know, uh, Nokia sells them as well. Uh, get an Android one phone to get those security updates, because when you buy those, the security updates go for something like the, the OS, OS updates on an Android one phone go a couple of years. Security updates go for at least four years. And sometimes they even get extensions. That's already been happening. Um, and kudos to the manufacturers for, for doing that. Okay. So, you know, or buy a pixel phone because Google updates them for, for eons. That that's the, the very simple practical solution for this. Okay. I mean, another thing to do is, I mean, you can't, you know, if it's a smartphone, it's a good bet. You probably can't rip out, okay, your microphone because then it's not really a phone, is it? I mean, unless, you know, you, you only plug it in with, with headsets, it'd be nice if you could set the store sort of stuff up. And, and, but again, here is the rub. Okay. And this speaks to a lot of different things. Here is the rub. This did not require a microphone permission to work, to use the microphone. Okay. So just telling your phone like a soft switch, which is what, you know, permission, these, uh, you know, like app permissions are saying with a soft switch to not allow it to access your camera or your microphone does not work. That is not good enough. And this is why for years on this show, I have said we have to have hard switches, not soft switches, 
hard switches, switches that physically cut off the microphone. Like it cuts the wire, you understand. And then you flip the switch back and it's connected again. You have to have hard switches. The fact that we don't have hard switches is such a gigantic fucking problem. I mean, it's getting even scarier. It's not even a matter of like hard switches and soft switches. Now we have devices that basically they, they don't have off switches. That's terrifying. For example, fitness trackers, right? Um, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, like even my Mi Band 4, it doesn't have an off switch. It has a restart. Like you, you can, in the software, you can tell it to restart, but there is no off. You basically have to just let the battery die. Fortunately, that thing doesn't have a microphone on it and all this other horseshit, but it's certainly collecting plenty of metadata anyway, if you have it in a stock configuration, which I don't, but that's besides the point. But this is why we constantly call for that, or why I say on this show, I get so much shit for this. Look, it's a fact. Soft switches are not good enough. Software switches, the software telling you that something is turned off is not fucking good enough. If you want actual security, you have to have hardware switches. And I am sorry, there is no phone that has that. And even even that that, that dumb shit from John McAfee, that, that, that stupid privacy phone that he was selling, and I called it that it was horse shit. Even those, I don't think those were hard switches. I'm fairly certain those were just soft switches. If I'm wrong on that, you know, wow. I mean, hey, great that, that, that he actually put in real hardware switches. But we need that in these phones. Are you ever going to get it? Probably not, because I think there's some financial incentive to not allow for that. And that's granted an expensive proposition. And anyway, these companies, they're not looking out for you. Not in that way. Okay. They want to be able to block whatever kind of malware that the average person can go against. And that's somewhat like this. Uh, And that, you know, Google or Samsung, they don't want uh, people who they don't want listening in on you. But the people that order them to force them to listen to you, i.e. governments, uh, yeah, I mean, they they don't want to block all those holes, right? I mean, they'd be fucked if there was like full-on hardware switches. I mean, wow. I mean, the system's just not going to allow for that. So, this, I mean, this is high alert. This is a nightmare scenario. And especially since Samsung phones are the most popular, basically the most popular phones out there. Uh, you know, maybe next to an iPhone. I mean, the numbers shift all the time. But it shouldn't be a surprise to you how popular Samsung is. Uh, and who knows if it didn't trickle down to some others. Or that it couldn't be modified to trickle down to, you know, some other phone manufacturers. Now, another solution for some of this. Again, you can't do the microphone like we just talked about. You can't do anything about that. Not really. Um, you could put a sticker over your cameras. That's certainly something. I mean, there, there's, there are companies you can go, you know, wherever online, whatever store you happen to frequent, or maybe even, I don't know, Staples might have them. Fuck, I would hope, but maybe not. Uh, or just buy a nice piece of tape, you know, like a, like electrical tape and put it over your cameras on your smartphone. But then I can't share my 2009, 2019 comparison pictures, Brian. And I have to do that because I have to be cool because I have to be like everybody else. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought this was about security. I thought you gave a shit about your data. I thought you gave a shit about your privacy. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that none of that really matters. All that matters is is that somehow you feel better about yourself. Okay. Got it. (laughs) My apologies. You you need to fit in, right? That, that, that's what's going on or no, or no, you you need to make a buck, right? 
Forget about privacy. Forget about your neighbor's privacy. F forget about your best friend's privacy. Forget about your baby's privacy. Forget about, you know, your baby's future. Okay. <laughs> forget about any of that. You just need to make a buck right now, or you need to get an endorphin rush. Fuck everybody. Okay. I, I mean, I, I guess that's how you feel about it. And I know what you're saying. You're saying it again. Just like when I was talking about the 2009, 2019 pictures, you're saying stallion, you're going too far. Am I? Let's find out, because in our next story, sit with me through the break, in our next story, I'm going to show you that I'm fucking right, as I often am. We'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech. Woo! Hey, if you have a project that needs reliable cryptocurrency data, check out blocktap.io. Blocktap.io is a universal cryptocurrency API. You can get historical prices for Bitcoin and other digital assets that you can use to build charts and do market analysis. Blockchain data is also indexed, so you can get transaction statistics, address balances, and more for Bitcoin and other networks. Blocktap.io is free for personal use, and you don't even need to create an account to access the API. To get started, try some of the example queries on the homepage at Blocktap.io. Again, that's B-L-O-C-K-T-A-P.io, Blocktap.io, and we thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Woo, let's get back to the show. You know, a great place to talk about all this action and everything that's going on. We're going to get into our next story that's going to prove me right that we are better off with all the, without all this horseshit, ultimately. Because the best thing to do is just stay away from it. And does that mean throwing away your smartphone or locking it up or something like that? Hmm. Tossing it in the microwave? Hmm. We'll talk about that. But if you want to talk about these kinds of issues, get on a national stage and get your opinion out there. I mean, I already offered that you can come on and talk on this show uh, if you really want to, if you want to debate me on this matter. Okay. But if you want to get your voice heard, a great place to do it. Sovereign Tech sponsor, Free Talk Live. You're going to go to freetalklive.com. It is an open phones, call-in show, radio show, podcast, the whole thing that has been going for over a decade. Here, you want your 2009, 2019 picks? Holy hell. You get to listen to all that action for over a decade. You can go to freetalklive.com to do so, but then there's the call-in line there, and you can listen every night, three hours a night, seven nights a week, 365 days a year, but you can call in, open phones call-in show, like I said, and talk with the hosts and get, get it out there to, this is, understand, Free Talk Live is the number 27 talk show in the United States. Does it get much bigger? I guess there's 26 bigger maybe, but I don't think they're going to let you get your voice heard. And that's why you want to check out Free Talk Live. Freetalklive.com. I thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Believe me, it's a great time. I was I was a host for two years. Okay? I mean, it, it is a great time. I can tell you that from personal experience. And I love getting to talk. I always loved getting to talk to, well, most of the callers. Some of the callers. Whoo. But anyway, that's not you because you're listening to me and I know you're cool. So go check it. And freetalklive.com and get your voice heard. All right. Um, let's get into why I'm right. Okay. Maybe because, you know, ultimately you could say, well, let's go with the, uh, let, let, let's go with the, 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 <laughs> oh boy, there's no great, cause you don't want to say the nuclear option. I don't like that. All right. But I mean, that's kind of what it is. You don't want to say the last uh, or the final solution because holy shit, boy, and don't even get into, 
you know, talking about that, you want to say like, well, what's the concern about handing over so much data to, uh, you, you know, to, to, to governments? Well, read about the history of uh, the final solution, i.e. Nazis, okay, i.e. IBM and Nazis. Read about that. IBM and the Holocaust, great book about that, talking about Deamog which was basically a punch card system that is effectively what allowed the Nazis to round up all the Jews. And, uh, you know, I take that rather personally, being a Jew myself. But anyway, let's talk about this. This is a story from CBS out of New York, as in New York City, which, ironically, I'm also, I'm from New York City. Of course, I'm now in New Hampshire. We'll talk about more about that in a second. Or in a few minutes, because we got a new sponsor that I'm honored by. We'll talk about it. But coming out of CBS New York, ready for this? Here's this headline. Let's check this action. It's, uh, here it is. It's really refreshing and relaxing. College students say ditching their smartphone for a week changed their lives. Ooh, what's this all about? Sounds like a sovereign tech wet dream, frankly. But let's talk about this. And I don't mean because of the college kids. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> or college students, I'm sorry. Um, here we go. They survived. Like, that's literally how, how the story starts. This, is, this, this story is so unbelievable. You've got, you, 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 have to, you have to hear this. They survived. Nearly two dozen Adelphi University students made it a full week without their cell phones. I love Stallion breaking in. I love the fact that the report that, that CBS New York is like writing this. I mean, it just, just, they're in on just how ridiculous this all is. Deep down, we all know. We just don't want to admit it, okay? Whether it's because, well, we've talked about the many reasons of why. I'm not going to get into that. But deep down, I, I think we all know. But let's, let's keep going with this. Let's keep reading. As CBS2 first told you last week, it was part of a college course intended to break the powerful addiction of smartphones. CBS2's uh, Carolyn Gusoff went back on or went back on Thursday as students were reunited <laughs> with their beloved mobile devices. I know it reads like the onion. It's not. This is reality. It's old school in Jacob Dannenberg's uh, uh, dorm room with an alarm clock to wake him. Handwritten, no handwritten notes remind him an actual wristwatch, uh, or handwritten notes remind him an actual wristwatch to keep track of time. No, it wasn't 1999. How about that? Instead of 2019, 2009, how about 1999? Woo! How things have changed. It was, it was, no, it wasn't 1999. It was an Adelphi University course called Life Unplugged, where students did the unthinkable one week ago, handed over their smartphones. Quote, I'm freaking out. I could probably cry right now. End quote, one student said. Stallion breaking it. This is not the onion. You hear me? Reading on. It was a bold experiment to recognize today's compulsive relationships with ever-present devices. Seven days later, quote, who's excited they're getting their phones back today? End quote, Professor Donna Freitas asked. Gone were the nerves and the shakes. Quote, everything is perfect right now. I'm having a lot better relationships. It's a stress-free environment. No pressure about social media. End quote, Jacob Dannenberg said. Quote, I think it's really refreshing and relaxing. I was able to fall asleep a lot easier, end quote, student Adriana Kigliano said. They managed to find their way even without GPS for a week. I just had to take the same route everywhere, end quote, one student joked. They were also more productive. Quote, doing homework was 100% easier. I got it done faster. I was in the zone, end quote, uh, Sigliano said. Professor Freitas says it's important for everyone to assess their addiction. Now, I want to stop on this. 
reading direct quotes from these students. Their relationships were better. If I asked you, would you, would you do anything to have better relationships or even to have actual relationships in your life? Would you do it? I bet you'd say yes. I wonder if you'd say no if I said, well, you got to throw, throw your fucking smartphone. Throw it away. Or put it in its place, maybe in a, I don't know, a, a, a drawer or something and leave it there, turned off. Would you do it? How about this? I, 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 it's refreshing and relaxing. I fell asleep a lot easier. Look, we need, as humans, we need relationships. We know now through so much more uh, research being done today, how badly we need better sleep. You're going to have better relationships, better sleep. How about this? Uh, what was the other one here? Um, let's see. My homework was hundred percent easier. I got it done faster. I was in the zone. Imagine that being more productive. These are human needs, very basic human needs, sleep, better relationships, being productive. You know, productive achievement, right? Go down the list of these things. And imagine that, just putting this stupid black mirror, okay? Putting this fondle slab away, not holding it all the time. At least could improve all that. Imagine it. Big parts of this, I guarantee you, big, big parts of this. Okay, and whether they re whether the students realized it or not, came from not necessarily because they were constantly distracted and addicted to the device, but also I think a lot of it I would venture the Golden Stallion would venture that a lot of it was the unconscious realization that they were not being watched. Unconscious, it's an unconscious realization, but the body reacted all the same, knowing that it's not happening. Because so many of us walk around. There's more. I'm going to read more of the story, but so many of us. We all, actually, I think all of us, unless we're just totally detached from reality, which I know certainly there are plenty of people like that, we know there's just something wrong with the world. There's just something. We don't, we, we, most people can't put a, put a finger on it. I'm not saying I can even do the best job of that, but there's just something wrong. Something's not right. Something is agitating that which makes us human. And I think whenever we take healthy steps of connecting more with that which makes us human, the beautiful things. I would dare say the ugly things that humans do is a detachment from really what makes us human. It's, it's acting inhuman, right? So it's not those. Like, you know, again, getting better sleep, better relationships, all this stuff. And also, you know, the fact that these cameras, you know, are fucking everywhere and you're not worried about taking a picture all the time. I mean, there's no way that, that, that even unconsciously that the human mind doesn't realize when it's taking pictures all the time that those pictures are going somewhere. Whether it's conscious or unconscious, you know you're being tracked and watched. And that is not healthy. That creates a stress in and of itself. And your body gets to relax a little bit more perhaps when that's not going on. That doesn't mean that, I mean, understand, and we'll, we'll talk about this more maybe when we get into the dark fate review or maybe at some other point, but we bring this up all the time. Granted, you know, you not having a smartphone doesn't like solve everything, right? Because you're still, you could still effectively be tracked by everybody else's smartphone, right? They could still have the malicious app. They could still have this. I mean, this is part of the reason I do this show. To some degree, the show is sovereign tech is an act of self-defense because if I can convince you to engage in best practices with your electronics, then I am all the safer as well. The safer we all are, the safer we all are. The more secure we all are, the more secure we all are. I don't like to use the word safe. Life is not safe, but we can have greater security. 
Now, let's read on more with this story. Professor Freitas says it's important for everyone to assess their addiction. Quote, are the conveniences worth it because the drawbacks are pretty significant, end quote, Freitas said. Quote, the fact that no one can focus, that my students can't sleep, they feel bad about themselves because of social media, whoo, the list goes on and on, end quote. They feel, now, this is the irony. People go, like we were talking about earlier, they go, This it's, it's paradoxical, but I think it's true. People go onto social media to try and find meaning and feel better about themselves. But then when they go on social media, even when they think they're enacting that, it's actually making them feel worse about themselves. Why? Because maybe you're comparing yourself to the people on, uh, on Instagram and you're, you're not comparing yourself favorably. I mean, sure. Like I said earlier, uh, I might look at, you know, uh, certain, you know, fitness guys uh, or bodybuilders. I'll look on their pages or whatever and, you know, see what they're up to. I'm not going there feeling like, oh, shit, I don't look like that. I'm going there. How can I look like that? What can I do? And I take action upon it. That's a very different thing. That's self-improvement, not self-deprecation. So, but most people are just, you know, laying down in bed. Ooh, let me scroll up. Let me keep scrolling. Let me feel like shit about myself. Let me keep scrolling. So most people do. Let me read on a little more with the story. The sweet reunions with their phones went sour quickly as endless notifications piled up. I, I'm, I'm phrase telling breaking. Frankly, I'm amazed the phones could even handle it. I mean, I'm sure once they got turned on, uh, a week's worth of notifications. I mean, I know how many I get in a day and fuck that. Uh, but anyway, quote, Oh my God, this is so bad. I just want to shut it off now. End quote. The Adelphi class said the whole class said, can I just turn this off? Can I leave the smartphone off? Can I get away? Imagine if the whole world engaged in this for a week. Everybody turned off their smartphone and left it off. Hell, I, I Silicon Valley would collapse. I bet governments would collapse over this because we, just like for all the reasons we've been talking about this whole episode, because their entire system of surveillance and their entire monetization scheme, important word, scheme, would fall apart. Holy shit, nobody's looking on Instagram. There's no more advertisers. And then the advertise all those companies. Hell, civilization might collapse at this point. And I don't think I'm exaggerating too much. Students say, reading on, students say they're not quite breaking up with their phones, but promise the relationship will change. Quote, I want to keep that balance and figure out the healthy relationship that we deserve to have with our phones. End quote. Uh, Sigliano added, quote, my screen time is definitely going to go down and I'm going to start appreciating my surroundings more because usually I'm looking at my screen all the time. End quote. Ashley Castillero said, distracted. Students told CBS2 they look forward to living more in the moment with their heads up more often, notifications off, and the do not disturb on. Woo, cue hailstorm, baby. Do not disturb. Have that three-way in that hotel room, baby. Rock and roll. Mm, imagine that. Better relationships. <laughs> Students were allowed to use a desktop computer or laptop during the experiment. They also made emergency communication plans with family. Okay. So let's break some of this down. That especially in this last sentence here, something that I've brought up many times is that, okay, you know, you want to change your relationship with your smartphone. All right. Now, some of us, and this is something I have really been 
this has been a chance. This is a challenge for me as well. Okay. Because of the nature of the business that I do, I basically have, I mean, this is part of where stress comes in and I'm sure it did for the students as well. You're basically on call 24 seven. We're all wearing pagers. Actually, it's much worse than that, but for now that'll do. Okay. We're all wearing pagers. We're always on call. All right. And, and when I have clients that are literally global, they are all around the world, different time zones. They are messaging me at 2 AM in the morning. Wait, I just did that again. 2 AM in the morning. No, 2 AM. That's redundant. I don't need to say in the morning. They are messaging me at 2 AM, you know, while I'm sleeping and I wake up to, you know, whatever, whatever fires is, is I got to put out and whatever other horse shit is going on. I fucking hate it. That is not a healthy way to live. And I know that. And if I could do, if I could change it right now, I mean, I would, and well, maybe I need to, but regardless. Okay. I understand that the way some of us like digital nomads, people who work from home and others, I understand that we don't have traditional, you know, nine to five work hours, right? We're on whenever we're needed to be on. And unfortunately that makes us, that, that keeps us in a, in a, in a, a, a persistent holding pattern where we're just waiting. When are we needed? And we're always looking at our phones. Okay. Did anything, uh, you know, did anything come up? Am I needed now? Blah, blah, blah. And you could say that, well, that's, you know, and, and I think some of us want to justify it to ourselves and say, well, but because I don't always have to work or because I only have to work when I'm needed or whatever, that uh, I have a lot of free time. No, you, and here, here's, here's, here's the rea- here's the hard reality. You don't have free time because you are just constantly waiting to be called upon. You are a servant. You are a serf. You are a slave. I don't like to use that word too much because I don't want to insult actual slavery. Okay. But you are a wage slave. If you want to go that far, at the very least, you are certainly a serf. You have fallen under a neo-feudalism way to go. You are not, you do not have free time. Free time means you are free of thought. You are free, you know, you are free to do whatever. You are not free to do whatever. You are chained by your smartphone to your client, your employer, whatever. Don't, that's not free time. Not by anybody's definition. Now, so there's that. And I, and I want to sympathize, empathize with those like myself, who at least at this point in time has to have that smartphone on them, has to be ready at a moment's notice to jump on something. Right. I know that there, that, you know, you can't, you're, you're hearing me you're, and you might even be saying at this point, you know, we're over an hour into the episode. I imagine it's been over an hour. Yep. We're over just, just now we are over an hour. How's that for an internal clock? We are just over an hour into the show and maybe you're saying, holy shit, Brian sovereign is right as he always is. Might not be saying that last part, but whatever. Brian Sovereign is right, but I can't throw away my smartphone. I hear you. Okay. I really hear you. But then the other part to this is there and that I have said is partly a solution. So the last line here, students were allowed to use a desktop computer or laptop during the experiment. Now here's the thing. And that's what I have effectively pushed for is that when I push for changing your relationship with your smartphone, I understand that most of us cannot just get rid of them entirely. Okay. I think there is a way to do so. And I'll explain that in a second. Okay. Cause we talk about solutions on the show. We don't just complain. 
using, I, I have said, okay, stop using the smartphone so much and communicate more, do what you need to do more with your laptop or desktop. And why is that? Because those devices are not so persistent. They are not so always on. Okay. And you have to, especially if it's like a desktop, but even maybe with a laptop, you have to sit down and you have to be intentional about it to use it as to where with a smartphone. Oh, you just whip that baby out anywhere. Okay. Like you're, you're like, you're a streaker just, woo. Hey, there it is. I mean, you, and you know, really you should think about your smartphone in that way. Okay. I mean, you're basically, you're, 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 you're naked with one of these things. I mean, you're revealing so much about yourself. You're emotionally and who knows what else or not, not just emotionally, but you're, you, I mean, you're so naked in what you're doing. You have no privacy. You have no clothes when you're walking around with your smartphone on. And even when it's off, it ain't that much better because of that voice co-processor. But if you want to learn more about that, of course, you can find my book, Dark Android, by the way, if you ever a new edition coming out soon, but, uh, but the Dark Android book, it is literally the security manual for Android. I wrote it. Okay. I'm somebody who knows what the fuck they're talking about. I have made money off of the smartphone business. Do you understand? And I am telling you that these things are inherently are, are effectively net negative. Now, so you can transfer a lot of what you do on a smartphone over to a laptop or desktop and a laptop or desktop is not designed to be so addictive. They are designed to be productivity machines and you have to sit down and be intentional with them. That is far better than the passivity that smartphones, you know, really bolster and allow for the, the very passive and, and, and like thoughtless use. That's a problem. Um, and so it's interesting that you know, effectively, like the, the benefits that we've talked about often and that many other people, not just Cybertech, plenty of, of journalists and other shows and everywhere else have talked about the problems, the net negative problems of smartphones, right? That you could get the benefits of not having a smartphone, but you could still use a laptop or desktop. So nobody's saying that you have to go and be a Luddite. Is that a bad idea? Maybe not, <laughs> especially if you've been listening to the show for the past eight years. Okay. But you get my point is that you don't have to give up everything, but even just getting, even just putting the smartphone in its place can give you a lot of the benefits and can get you much more in touch with your own health, mental, physical. So it proved, and, and that's, that's a point I've made for years on this show is that, look, okay, I'm not saying that you can't email people, that you can't chat with people online, that you can't connect with people. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying change the device and change it to a device that is far more intentional, not so addictive. And that's really, I mean, you, and you have to understand this when, when professor Freitas here is saying they are addictive. Yes, they are. And I don't know how many people ex-employees of Facebook, ex-employees of many tech giants have come out and admitted completely. They tell you, they've told you, they've shown you the evidence, they've shown you the programming, they've shown you all of it, that this shit is designed with a slot machine mentality. They are using Las Vegas mental tactics on you to get you to use their shit, to get you to use Facebook, to get you to use Twitter, to get you to use Instagram, to get you to use Google Docs. They are using the ugliest tactics known to man to keep you used, to keep you scrolling, to keep you typing, to keep you doing whatever the fuck, to keep you from doing anything that could actually be beneficial to your life. Like say having better relationships, getting some goddamn sleep or being productive and maybe even creative. How about that? One of the ultimate achievements of humanity is our ability to be creative you can say, well, smartphone lets me be creative by putting stuff on YouTube. Are you kidding me? Have you seen half the shit on YouTube? 
Have you seen seven eights of the shit on YouTube? We've talked about that in the past on this show too. I mean, YouTube does not does not care about calm, beautiful, creative content. YouTube pushes you to extremes, either just the ridiculous or the terrifying. And I would not say that those are the best of creative pursuits. Now, let's talk about another aspect of this, okay? But like we said, these are absolutely addictive. Uh, in fact, the, the person who I saw, ironically, on Twitter share this, and they knew it was an irony, they even said, is that this addictiveness to smartphones is a genuine pandemic. And I would agree if, like, if a gambling problem, that kind of addiction, you know, is a disease, this is a disease, we should call these people what they are, smartphone junkies. Just constantly walking around, looking down, ooh, you know, not aware of anything that's going around them, uh, going on around them, not aware of everything falling apart, not aware of the fact, too distracted from the fact that they, again, are creating their own prison, like we talked about at the, at the first subject of the show. But let's talk about another ridiculous part to this. And that is the fact that there has to be a tax funder or, t- or taxed, tax funded college course for this. That should make you outraged alone. Okay. I'm glad that young people are coming to these realizations. All right. You don't need a college course to do it. You could listen to Sovereign Tech, I'm not patting myself on the back, but you could. Okay. But it's crazy that we need a college course about this. And that should, at the very least, it should enrage you that your tax money is going to that, of course. But more so, that it's that bad. That you have to, like, I mean, that, that it's, a, it's a college course. What the hell? How did we get here? You want to talk about problems or differences between 2009 and 2019? How did we get here? Well, of course we know how we got here because these tech companies don't give a shit about you. You keep praising them like somehow they've done some amazing thing for you. Okay. But really they, no, no. We could get into a very metaphysical conversation about what really matters in life. The point of life and things like this. I don't think we need to necessarily go there. I want you to, at the very least, walk away from this like these students did. Questioning your relationship with these devices. It's a problem. Okay. And if, I mean, do you think these kids made all this horseshit up? No, I think they genuinely went through that. Of course you were able to sleep better. Of course, you know, you, you actually probably went out and talked to people. Holy shit. I have to talk to people. No, you don't have to, but it might be an amazing thing when you do. Instead of just getting enraged online all the time. And hey, I get enraged online too. All right. But here's the thing. I mean, (laughs) it is the rare tweet that I ever give. And often it's because I am trying to speak to that audience about something that has to do with that platform itself. But would I love to be in the uh, position where, holy shit, I don't ever have to, you you know, I've said this many times. True success today in the 21st century, success is not a monetary value, okay? Success is can you be permanently AFK? Can you be permanently away from keyboard? And if you can, 
you are one of the wealthiest people on the planet because you have two things that are so rare today that are in such short supply and that money really can't exactly buy, not in their abstract sense. That is, you're going to have more time and you are going to have more attention, more of an attention span. And then if you want to go three, you're going to have better relationships. What more do you fucking want? Everything else is either gravy, window dressing, it's nonsense. Would you like more time, attention, and better relationships? Would you like more sleep? Here's one way to get it. I suggest you give it a shot. I'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech. Woo! In 2014, he ran from Miami to San Francisco, raising awareness for Bitcoin and the homeless epidemic in America. And now he's doing it again. Blockchain evangelist and advocate for homeless rights, Jason King, is running across North America right now, from Miami to Santa Monica, right now. Five years later, his commitment to promoting blockchain technology and fighting the homeless epidemic in America is stronger than ever. And you can help Jason now by going to blockchainacrossamerica.com. While you're there, donate to Satoshi Forest Sanctuary Incorporated to help the homeless, along with all kinds of other ways you can help. Get involved today. BlockchainAcrossAmerica.com. That's BlockchainAcrossAmerica.com. The Climax. Now, I know what you're asking. You're probably saying, well, yeah, but Stallion, right? After what we were just talking about, what am I going to, how, look, this is how I listen to Audible. This is how I read, uh, I don't know, you might even read comic books. This is how I read books. This is how I listen to my, this is how I'm listening to your show is on my smartphone. You really want me to put that away? Well, th- we covered a solution for that. I'm pretty sure it was on a, on a prime, a major, or, you know, a, a public episode of Sovereign Tech. Of course, this is Zomeo One Underground. Go to Zomeo1.com, Z-O-M-I-A-O-N-E.com, or you can type in SovereignTech.com. It's going to take you to the same place. You can go to those, you can go there and, uh, you know, you can sign up and get access to the Q&As, because I, I know I also covered this on Q&As, which we do just about every, or that we do every Wednesday. We do every week anyway. Um, and on that, you know, I brought up, I was like, look, you can take a smartphone. Okay. Don't put in a, any identifying information or anything like that. I even covered like what apps you can install, how you can make all this work. All right. Um, like even the audible app without putting in identifying information, other than I guess you'd have to put in your audible account, which does that create certain issues? Maybe. Um, but you basically use a smartphone like a, just a souped up MP3 player, but there's no SIM card in it. There's no phone number attached. There's none of that horseshit. It is just a little MP3 player, more or less, that happens to be able to run the Audible app or Power Amp or, you know, what whatever, uh, or even like Plex or, or something. You know, you go to the gym and you want to connect to the Wi-Fi. I mean, I do this. I have, I have a complete, I have a Moto E4 that is completely separate. Um, you know, it's running very different software. And, you know, I, I can just connect to the Wi-Fi at the gym and 
you know, it doesn't necessarily identify me, right? I mean, there's always metadata going places, but bottom line being, I can connect to Plex. I can connect to my Plex server at home. Um, I can listen to audiobooks if I want to. I can listen to podcasts on there. I can do all of that. Okay, without it being a smartphone and without me being interconnected to fucking, you know, every meager impulse. Okay, like it's there are solutions for all this. You know, another solution real quick. Sovereign tech sponsor, in fact. Okay, uh, new sovereign tech sponsor. I am honored by this one because I think, you know, one of the things that people talk about, like why they want to get on social media and so on, is they want to find like minded individuals. Right. They want to connect. Right. With people who think like that and and just there's there's no one or, you know, people who have similar interests, similar philosophies, ideologies, whatever. But there's no one around them where they live, where that's the case. Well, you know, I'll tell you, I was in that same boat, Um, not a literal boat, but (laughs) I was in New York. And you can imagine there aren't a whole lot of people in New York who think like the Golden Stallion. (laughs) There aren't. So the man of tomorrow had to do something about this. And I did something about this just about eight years ago. In fact, October 28th, that just passed, um, would be my eight-year anniversary for this. And that is I moved to New Hampshire for something called the Free State Project. Okay, now you can go to fsp.org and you can check this out and you can read up all the information about it. Uh, The Free State Project, it is not a political organization, okay? But it is a place where I wanted to find, as uh, the Free State Project has had the tagline for over the years, even though I think they, they changed it up a little bit here and there, but liberty in our lifetime, okay? Obviously, everything we've been talking about in the show is really about freedom, and I want a lot of personal freedom, and I wanted to be around people so I didn't have to be on Facebook. I wanted to actually be around people that, you know, at the very least, we had a baseline uh, in common, okay? Now, there's never guarantees of that with anybody, but I wanted that. And I'll tell you, I found it. Um, I was now the Free State Project has been around for quite some quite some years now, but there are twenty four thousand people that have pledged to move to New Hampshire, okay, uh, as part of the Free State Project, and well, as participating, they're not members; they don't pay dues. Nobody pays dues, but you know, you're a participant, okay. Right now, there are over forty three hundred people here, okay, just trying to find freedom in a certain geographic area. Uh, I was actually, I was mover number, I was in the first thousand. I was number 966. Uh, I I wanted to be mover number 666, but whatever, nine, you know, if you flip it upside down, it turns into 666, so good enough for me. Anyway, I was one of the first, uh, again, that was eight years ago now. Uh, I was one of the the first thousand uh, to move here for that, and it changed my life. Sovereign Tech is possible very much. Uh, because of the Free State Project then. Uh, Of course, you know, there's events that you can go to. I mean, you get a, really, there is a built-in community here with people that even if they disagree with you, you can have the most amazing conversations with. But again, the goal is to have, you know, again, liberty now, okay? And and if you want to find out more about it, go to fsp.org, okay? FSP is in Free State Project, fsp.org. And you can learn all about it. Um, see if it, and believe me, you can come from just about any persuasion and people are here. You know, the, the, one of the best things I loved is when I, when I moved here and I went to one of my first, uh, hangouts with, uh, with the free state project. Um, 
and like people hug each other, you know, men hug each other and everything. And I, I just thought that was so wonderful. And that alone, you know, you know, made me feel very, very welcome. Uh, but of course there's the events, you know, there's Liberty Forum, Pork Fest, all kinds of stuff to check out um, in New Hampshire. But that's, you know, that's a big part of the reason that I'm here is, you know, I wanted to find me some freedom. And uh, right now I've already found so much and that's for moving to New Hampshire. So check it out, fsp.org. And I thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's a good thing that they are sponsoring independent voices, voices that are very much into freedom, be it personal freedom or whatever. Um, Sovereign Tech reaches out to a lot of different audiences, okay? Not just, you know, anarchists or libertarians or whatever. I'm certainly, you know, I'm personally an anarchist, but it reaches out to a lot of different hyphens, a lot of different ideologies, Okay. And you know, it's, it's great for, there's people who might not have ever heard of the free state project. Okay. Before, and because maybe they don't listen to shows that are centered around some kind of, you know, Liberty ideals. Uh, well, sovereign tech is whether you realize it or not. And you just heard about one possible solution of maybe getting better relationships, uh, an option for getting away from having to rely upon social media, from having to rely upon your smartphone. Why don't you just get in meet space with people who, uh, you know, share things in common with you and have similar passions. How about it? So anyway, I thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Now, all of that said, um, it's very apropos. It fits to talk about the movie that Ellen and I uh, just saw, and that is Terminator Dark Fate. Uh, Because one of the redeeming values of this movie, okay, and this movie just came out about a month ago, it is not doing well. (laughs) I think it had a terrible opening weekend of like 29 million. This movie uh, effectively bombed which it's hard to imagine a Terminator movie doing that. Not to say every Terminator movie is good. Okay. Um, But it is amazing that it's doing so horribly, especially since you have the return of James Cameron in the producer role anyway, or executive producer role, but he's attached, which he hasn't been attached to the past three films. Really? Okay. He was involved in this movie. It's directed by Tim Miller, who did the first Deadpool movie. Um, I am not a big fan of the Deadpool movies at all, so I wasn't necessarily hopeful because of Tim Miller being involved. I know some people were, I guess. Uh, I was certainly more hopeful because James Cameron was involved, Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be in it, and most importantly, uh, one of my first crushes, uh, crushes, quite frankly, uh, Linda Hamilton was going to be in it. So I, I was all about seeing this movie, but this movie is not doing well. Critics are receiving it okay. It's, it's, I think it has a Rotten Tomato score of 71%. That's pretty good uh, compared to previous uh, some previous entries in the in the franchise. Um, but Terminator Dark Fate. So Ellen and I went and saw it, and well, I'll give you my take on it, and then we'll give you some scores. I have Ellen's scores and some of her thoughts on the matter uh, to, to share with you. But no, you know, let's open up with the scores. I give it. I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Okay, and actually Ellen also gave it a seven out of ten, though she caveated with the fact that if she if you're counting the second half of the movie, and spoiler alerts, folks, there's gonna even though I don't think th- there's no real to speak about the spoilers very quickly, there's nothing to spoil. Because there's no like really hardcore reveals, or at least not anything that you wouldn't expect. 
Um, and it's one of the problems with the film because being given it a seven is even being kind of generous in my opinion, uh, for me, you know, but part of the problem is, is that this movie doesn't explain itself well at all, you know, so there's no real hooks or, or, or there's nothing to spoil is my point. It plays a lot of familiar beats. Okay. Um, which is a problem with, with a lot of modern films and particularly franchise, uh, based films. All right. So, but there will be, but spoiler alerts, I'll, you know, I'll put them out there. But when Arnold's character, whose name is Carl, comes in, um, Ellen actually said the second half, she would give an eight out of 10. And I kind of agree with that because in the second half of the film, you do get some action sequences in this movie that frankly, I've never seen action quite like that. And you have to give a movie credit for that. And that's why I'll give it, I think that's probably why I'm not giving a, giving it a six out of 10. Uh, and certainly Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger's performances uh, also keep it from being like, say, a five out of 10. This movie, if it didn't have some very unique action, and if it didn't have tremendous performances, uh, or, or, well, a tremendous performance from Arnold, Linda Hamilton doing very well uh, with what she had here. And I like Mackenzie Davis a lot. If you, if you didn't have that, those elements, um, this movie would probably, I probably would have scored it at a four out of 10 or maybe like a five out of 10. I mean, it would not do well. Um, those are a lot of that are the, the, the strong points. Okay. Um, so to talk a bit more about the, you know, about the movie itself, I mean, because I, and look, Arnold, like the reason, you know, Ellen is giving in an eight out of 10 for the second half is because Arnold's character, Carl is, I mean, he's a great character, very funny. He's playing a Terminator. Okay. There, there's, there's no debate on that. Uh, you know, or, I mean, like, I don't think there was anything that spoiled that and or like that suggested otherwise in the trailer, you know, like, you know, he's a Terminator, he's playing a Terminator, but he is he is definitely, he's hilarious in my opinion, but very funny and a very well done, uh, uh, character in that. So, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the, you know, special effects, special effects are flawless in this. Uh, I, I don't know, ex I didn't, I forgot what the exact budget was for it, but they, they spent their money. Well, there's no problems with special effects. Nothing looked uh, out of place. Nothing looked crazy. Uh, or the, yeah, the budget was almost 200 million, which is, unbelievable that we have those kinds of budgets today. Um, I mean, box office, it is at about, I think it's topped out at about 250 right now. Um, but again, worldwide it's doing all right, but in America did not, did not do well, uh, at all when it opened up on November 1st. And the irony was like, we actually had, so we just saw this, um, yesterday as of this recording. Okay. So, and you know what today's date is it's, I had a hard time finding a theater that was playing it because theaters were already dumping it this weekend, uh, you know, for whatever Ford versus Ferrari or whatever new movie was coming out. But I thought that that was weird. And I wasn't like in a hurry really to go see this for a few reasons, but also uh, like I've noticed when, when Ellen and I have gone to movies lately, you know, that there's movies that that'll stay in theaters. These, I mean, these theaters are palaces now, but they'll stay in there for two, three months. And so like, I didn't think there was a big concern, especially not three weeks out that the movie's been out in America, but no, like, Theaters are already dumping this movie. That's how bad it's doing. And I don't think it's that bad of a film. I mean, I see where it could be, you know, like it, it, it has things it has, and no pun intended here, it has saving graces, right? That keep it from being like a total sham. All right. But I, I'm, I'm just, I'm amazed that it's already, you know, uh, getting out of theaters. But anyway, uh, say, and of course the saving grace joke is that Mackenzie Davis's character who she plays the augmented human that goes back to save this 
new Mexican female John Connor, uh, which is a fine idea. Like, I have no problem with, with that necessarily. Um, I mean, execution I might have problems with, but whatever. Uh, her name is Grace. Uh, Mackenzie Davis's uh, character, her name is Grace. So that's why I say saving grace. And I think that was actually a running joke that they never got to tell in the movie that she is the saving grace because she's saving this character. Anyway, um, yeah, special effects were fine. Uh, music was very, it's all done by a, guy named, by a guy named Tom Holkenborg. I am not familiar with his work at all. Uh, the score was incredibly understated and there was not good use in my opinion, of Brad Fidel's or Fidel, I don't know how to pronounce his name, of his work from Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. And this is, now Terminator Salvation, by Mick G, of course, I mean, he didn't do the music, but that had a very understated score as well. But even that was better than the score for this movie. Terminator Genesis had a fine score to it. Terminator 3, which had a score by Marco Beltrami, I think is a top uh, soundtrack, you know, musical score for just about any movie. I mean, it's Marco Beltrami's work was very, very well done for Terminator three. My point being is that overall the Terminator franchise has had great music. I'd uh, say nothing of Bear McCreary's work for Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which are two of the best for season one and season two. Those are a couple of best soundtracks you can get your hands on as well. Uh, so for Tom Holkenborg to do, in my opinion, a piss poor job with this soundtrack, where it's just serviceable. Kind of reminds me of the soundtrack for Solo, which Michael Giacchino is is a great composer. Uh, or wait, was it? No, Giacchino didn't do. Uh, sorry, Giacchino did not do the score for Solo. He did Rogue One, and that was a great score. But whoever did the score for Solo sucked. <laughs> like that was that was such a. I can't believe that there's a Star Wars soundtrack I don't listen to on the regular. I listen to the Shadows of the Empire soundtrack non-stop but i i never bother to put on the solo soundtrack but whatever um anyway i i just can't imagine that i'm ever going to pop in this soundtrack again it worked it was serviceable but it, it didn't leave you with anything and that is not the norm for the terminator franchise so that was very disappointing uh the score so you know marks off for that uh as well again it wasn't bad but it also wasn't great and terminator scores more often than not are great okay uh, again, particularly Brad Fidel's work as well as Marco Beltrami's. So uh, that 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 part was disappointing. Um, the acting, the acting overall was fine. Uh, I mean, obviously Linda Hamilton gr did great. Mackenzie Davis did great for what she was doing. Arnold was Arnold. I mean, you know, the, the guy just knows his stuff. He knows what he's what he's delivering. Um, who's the guy? Gabriel Luna, who played um, who played the, the the Terminator Rev Nine, who's the villain in this. Uh, he he was fine you know i mean like there's there's no i have no problems with natalie Re or natalia Rees or whatever um yeah yeah anyway everybody did great she played was that the one that played danny yeah i think she played danny she who's kind of like this new sarah or this new john connor character um all the acting was fine. I had no problems, you know, with, with, with any of that. There was no issues there. Uh, the direction, Tim Miller did a fine job. Uh, apparently there was a lot of headbutting between Tim Miller and James Cameron. And Tim Miller has been open about this as of late because everybody's asking, why did this movie tank? And I think Tim Miller might be taking some responsibility for that, but he, they, they, Tim Miller wanted to go with more of a Terminator 3, it sounds like, he wanted to go with more of a Terminator 3, uh, uh, 
what's what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of ethic or ethos to to the movie, uh, or or vibe to the movie. Where because Terminator Three, which I I talked about this on a recent Q Q and A on the Zombie One Underground. Terminator Three was is such a great. It really is a great movie because it had the balls to do something that I don't think most movies would be willing to do. It had the balls to end really badly. Now you can say that not not end game. It was Infinity War. Avengers Infinity War kind of had a bad ending to it. No, because you knew there was another movie coming. You had no guarantee that there was going to be a Terminator 4. And in fact, the Terminator 4 we got seemed to more or less ignore Terminator 3, which is a goddamn shame. Um, And Terminator Genesis ignored everything, even though I liked Genesis overall. Um, But, and and of course, this movie completely disregarded Terminator 3. It, It just picked up after Terminator 2. Um, so Tim Miller wanted to go with a, the machines are winning, which is really what Terminator three ended with. And I love that movie for that, you know, to have the guts to end that way, to end, uh, you know, on a sour note effectively. Um, yeah, that that was a good move. But then James Cameron was like, no, 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 you need to show humanity winning. You need to do this. So there's a lot of conflict there. And maybe that added up to why this movie does, because I do think this movie feels very disjointed. Um, I, oh, it opening up. Okay. So it opens up and this is, this is, might be the thing. This is the only spoiler. Okay. Because the opening certainly surprised me. It opens up with, I don't know if they just like took, like digitally edited out some, some moments from Terminator 2. But it ends up in, we end up in 1998. The film opens up in 1998. Of course, then it fast forwards to 2019. But it opens up in 1998 with Sarah Connor, okay, hanging out in Guatemala, I think, with John, with her son John. And it looks like a very young Linda Hamilton. And it looks like a very young Ed Furlong, right, who played John Connor in Terminator 2. And then, it, you know, the, the moment happens where you find out uh, Skynet had actually sent a bunch of Terminators and a T-800 or a T-101 model, whatever, Model 101 goes up to and actually kills John Connor. Like he's done. John Connor is dead. Okay. Now Skynet was stopped regardless, but John Connor was dead. Um, and Sarah Connor has to deal with that. And then basically the T-800 just, or the T-101 walks off after he kills John Connor, his mission's done and you don't know what the hell happens. And Sarah Connor is going through life because of the matter and dealing and drinking all the time because, you know, her, her son is gone, even though she, she would think in 2019 that it seemed very clear that, you know, Skynet was effectively stopped. Now Skynet was stopped. Okay. Now that was a shocker opening up with just killing John Connor and actually seeing a young Sarah Connor. I mean, I know de-aging technology is great, but I don't even think it was that. I think they literally lifted like, just like edited out and cut out moments from Terminator 2 and just kind of like spliced it in to a scene in Guatemala. That That's my opinion. Or they just hold, did whole CGI renderings. I could believe that too. Um, but that was well done. I didn't mind that scene at all. It was a shocker. And that's a good thing. If you surprise me like that, you're doing pretty good. But after that, I feel like things kind of fall apart. It is, the movie is just you know, it has a little, like that's understand that's only a couple minutes. Like that's literally two minutes of the film that you get that scene. The best, and it's probably the best scene of the movie, in my opinion. Um, and the most Terminator thing that could happen, you know, where it just, it, it blows away your expectations. Uh, the, the rest of the movie, I mean, it just, it, it hits the ground running. 
you know, and, and, and once, and not just, not just hitting the ground running, but once again, it's this 20, it's this 21st century Hollywood mentality where everybody just has to be constantly running. Go, 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 go. And, and I swear that that's a movie tactic. Now it's done in star Wars. It's done in Marvel. It's done in every big franchise. Okay. And it seems like almost every movie, even, you know, shit shows, Gemini man, whatever. Okay. Where, you know, everybody's just constantly running that way. The audience is constantly running and they don't stop and think for a second, because if they stopped and thought for a second, they'd be like, what is this horse shit that is being presented to me? This is a terrible film. Why can't I get the good old days? Which is exactly what people should be thinking. And certainly what I was thinking this whole time, uh, you know, during this movie. Um, so the act, I just, I feel like the first half of the movie, it is not slow enough. It, and, and the good move, the good moments in the movie are all of the slow moments where the characters are just talking to each other and there's exposition and they're explaining things. Like there's a hilarious thing. I guess this is a spoiler. There's a hilarious joke. Like you find out that Arnold's character, basically he ends up, um, like he, he after he kills John, he, he's just left with like nothing. His programming is done. And so he becomes conscious kind of starts a family or joins a family of sorts and he becomes a um, a drapery guy he, he runs a business called carl's drapery so you have a t101 running around in 2019 running a drapery business <laughs> and there's this hilarious moment where he's like talking about his job you know very serious as a, as a terminator <laughs> and he says he's like it's a, i was talking to this father and he wanted to have solid colors in his daughter's in a baby daughter's room. And he says, and I, and I told you, you can't have solid colors. You're going to kill everything. It's like, you need to have uh, balloons and butterflies and polka dots, you know, and it's, it's so goddamn funny. Uh, I mean, it was a hilarious little moment, but you get so few of those moments in it. And so I don't get modern Hollywood's obsession with not slowing movies down and taking those moments and, and breathing. And it's, you know, it's not just in theaters too. This is true with TV shows as well. Uh, where you just don't get a moment to breathe with the characters. And so you don't get a moment to fall in love with the characters or, or to appreciate or, or, you know, connect with the characters in some way. And it's such a shame. And so this movie really does suffer a lot of times from a lack of those moments, but also from a lack of explanation. So Skynet doesn't happen. What ends up happening is, is Legion ends up happening and you get about a 15 second. And I mean that literally 15 second explanation of what that day looks like when Legion takes over. Okay. Basically you have Mackenzie Davis's character, Grace saying, you know, she was a little girl at the time and she's basically saying that, well, you know, one day everything just like was turned off. The internet stopped, smartphones stopped working, blah, 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 which think about that. But you know, that happens. And then, you know, nothing ever went to normal and the military tried sending EMPs and like, I mean, it, that's all it is. You get no explanation of Legion. You, you, you really get nothing. And when you think back to the first Terminator movie, when Kyle is explaining Skynet, I mean, you kind of get a lot, you know, there's, there's a long conversation and you get, you get to spend some time in the future. You get a little bit of that in this movie, but not enough. You get to spend some time in the future and, uh, and, and really understand like why Skynet is such a ruthless villain. You get none of that with Legion. You get none of that. Like, and, and, and this is another problem in modern Hollywood where the villains, you get no motivation for the villains. You get no time with the villains. I mean, the villains are just the villains to make like the heroes kind of get propped up. The villains are never given any real due, any time. And I would argue that some, you know, movies like say the dark Knight, right? That movie is considered so great because even, even though you have a character who just wants to watch the world burn like the Joker, you get to spend a lot of time with the Joker and you get to experience his madness and at the very least understand the character some. You get none of that with Legion. 
Okay, so there's the problem. The, the, the Terminator Rev-9 is a completely unoriginal creation. They basically, I mean, it's interesting that it can kind of split into two and whatever else, but it's more or less the Terminatrix in guy form from, from Terminator 3. They just copied that a lot. And I think that they were hoping that people forgot Terminator 3 and would think that this is a new idea, right? That it's liquid metal over an endoskeleton. I mean, that's literally what you know, what, what the TX was, what the Terminatrix was in Terminator 3, even though now it can split into two, but you don't really get any explanation around the science around that. And that speaks to the part that I think the reason why Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, and I think Terminator 3 did a good job of this as well, even though Cameron wasn't really there. Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 were so engrossing and so exciting because James Cameron is a very knowledgeable guy and he he really bases his stuff uh, with a, or he has a, he brings in a lot of realism, right? He heavily researches and heavily explains what's going on. Things have to be legit. I mean, and it's not just true of Terminator movies. You, you know, we know this from The Abyss. You know this from Titanic. You know this from just about any of his films. He really spends a lot of time making sure that what you're seeing on the screen is something that is very believable. And this movie fails on that. There's no explanation whatsoever of what's going, you know, of how any of this stuff works, you know, really. I mean, and, and you, and you miss that, you know, um, like in the first Terminator movie and even with Terminator two, the most, I think the amazing thing about those movies, because again, let's be clear here. They are just slasher flicks, right? That's all they are. They're just slasher thriller films. They have uh, a morality tale to them, but they are just slasher films. So why do they, if they're just playing on a common formula, in fact, including a very common formula in the 80s and even in the early 90s when those two movies came out, why did that? Why did they stand out? Why did they work so well? Was it because of the great special effects? Yeah, that might be part of it. Certainly there were great special effects, but I think the real reason is because the stories were so clever. They were so believable. They were so believable because in the absence of, the thing is, is that when you, when you watch what, you know, everything being told and, and how the story gets presented to you, you're like, wow, you know, without any evidence, like that could happen. And it would be very hard to prove that it didn't, or it'd be very hard to prove that it did. And that's what makes those movies so great is because they are so believable, you know, like they are so not just believable, but possible. Okay. They, they feel very possible. And this movie just failed on that account of, it, it just didn't like, you couldn't relate to the story in my opinion at all. Um, one of the major, one of the, one of the great things about the film though, is, uh, it had a very heavy, and this plays into what we've been talking throughout this whole episode. It had a very heavy anti-smartphone message. Very, very heavy. Linda Hamilton, you know, Sarah Connor, she is constantly saying you might as well be wearing like a, a tracking device on your wrist. I mean, she talks about putting it into, you know, a. uh, uh, potato chip bags. You know, she puts her smartphone in, in potato chip bags, right? Because, you know, it's, and we've talked about this, like putting your phone in aluminum foil or in Mylar bags or why you have RFID blocking wallets for your passport or your driver's license or whatever, you know, which basically, yes, that does keep, you know, signals from getting to it and going out. Um, so the anti-smartphone message in it, I thought was a really, really uh, positive one. Or one that I appreciated because as what we talked about at the beginning of this episode, you know, with people just willy nilly sharing 2009 and 2019 pictures, comparison pictures, I don't think people think about 
what smartphones really do. And this movie was heavy on telling you that. And I mean, constantly, like the Terminator was tracking uh, everything and, and not just smartphones, talking about uh, cameras everywhere, listening devices. I mean, you know, like Alexas and all this stuff. I mean, all of that was put up as, you know, you are not, Sarah Connor basically says, you are not, if you don't understand how 2019 works, you are not going to get away from this Terminator, from the, the Rev-9. You are not going to survive. And she's so on. And and unfortunately, as hard as that gets hit, I wish there was just a little bit of a better movie wrapped around that so that people could look at this and would get recommended to watch this and maybe think about it. Okay, that's the other part of Terminator movies that have always been so great is they really make you think about the constant interconnectivity. Even Terminator 3 did this. Now, Genesis, I think Terminator Genesis and Salvation kind of failed on these counts, okay? But Terminator 3 did a great job of this with showing how there's computers and everything and basically the, the Terminatrix could connect to all of it and control all of it because it all was so interconnected. So, you know, and also how, like, even Skynet gets created in that movie, how everything is interconnected through the internet. That's another appeal of the Terminator movies. And this movie has it. And the smartphone is the right thing to attack. But they don't go far enough, I think, with it. And also, like, there's just not as much action surrounding that, I, I think, to really drive it home. And that's a bit of a shame. So it's a good movie. It really is. And, you know, Arnold is fantastic. It's great to have Sarah Connor back, The re, you know, to have Linda Hamilton back in action. Like, I, I'm, I'm so happy about that. And that's worth the price of admission alone. But I got to tell you, if you want to see outside of the first three Terminator films, like I said, I like Genesis fine, but I, I, I get it where people have issues with that. Salvation, I'm not going to defend that movie. Um, if you really want to watch some, like a great sequel to Terminator 2, though, maybe you don't even like Terminator 3. If you have, this is what I'm going to leave you with. Okay. If you have never seen the Sarah Connor Chronicles, you are in for a treat. That is a brilliant, brilliant show uh, that, of course, like everything Fox does, they cancel things way too early uh, because it was getting really interesting in season two. But there are so much, so many takeaways, real world takeaways, real world things that if you are concerned about everything we've been talking about in this episode, that you could you could take ideas from that that actually work. You could be MacGyvering everything. Okay, from stuff that you learned in the Sarah Connor Chronicles. It's that good of a show. Um, I mean, I was so impressed by that. And people forget about it, that that's part of the Terminator saga, you know. Uh, and, and if there was ever, if there was something that I ever really wanted to be a sequel to Terminator 2, it would be that. I also, you know, want to bring to head, which I've, I mentioned in the Q, a recent Q&A. Uh, like the comic books and the novels, like Timothy Zahn's novels for Terminator, A.C. Crispin's novels, S.M. Sterling's novels for Terminator. There is a plethora, a wealth of comic books, even video games and novels for Terminator that are great Terminator action uh, and yet give you what you want as a Terminator fan. Uh, again, this movie was good. You know, I give it a 7 out of 10. Ellen gives it a 7 out of 10. And, and again, like I said, for the second half, she gives it an 8 out of 10. I mean, I, I, I want to speak to that again. You know, it was a good movie. And you do see things in it that are really intense action that are great. But again, the, the pacing's off in this movie. Uh, there needed to be a lot more slow character moments that we just didn't get. We needed to get a lot more explanation of even uh, the character of Grace, of the Augment. We need to get more explanation of... I think of how the Rev nine worked of what the fuck Legion is. Uh, I mean, it would have been great if Legion played into a little conspiracy theory of mine 
not one that I'm saying is true, one that I'm saying I have fun with, like a thought experiment, that basically the proliferation of smartphones isn't even something being done by tech giants, but that there already is an AI, an AGI, right? Like a Skynet, or in this case, Legion, that like its, its existence is within all of these smartphones and within the interconnected world. And that it's what constantly pushes and is, and is pushing forward so much of the, shall we say, the smartphone economy, just tossing that out there. But that would have been so great for them to cover and to talk about, you know, uh, like this, this decentralized hive mind. Uh, I mean, you'd say that's a contradiction in terms, but I, I guess maybe I should say distributed hive mind because decentralization, of course, is a great thing. But anyway, yeah, there's just, this movie needed some more things. And I mean, there was also the editing seemed a little off. I mean, there's just little things that are off that keep it from being a really, really great entry into the saga. Um, yeah, for most people that say only one and two are great or one, two and three are great, forget about everything else. Uh, you know, I hear you. I hear you. I'm in your camp um, overall, even though I can appreciate some of the other stuff. But let's not, again, what I want to leave you with, let's not forget about the Sarah Connor Chronicles. That is some great science fiction. That is some great, great Terminator action. You want to jump on that uh, if you never have. And, you know, if you haven't seen Dark Fate, frankly, go watch the Sarah Connor Chronicles first. I think you'll do better off. But eventually you'll watch Dark Fate. And I think it's worth it for the Arnold moments anyway. So that's it for this episode. Um, yeah, again, I did. I really love the anti-smartphone uh, message in it of bringing up the concerns around that. And that, you know, if, if whatever came into, if something came into power and had control over those networks, just how much it would instantly put a stop to what we understand of a civilization. That is really something to think about, but the movie, again, did not spend enough time on it, but I wish it did. But you can spend time on that. You can think about it throughout everything we've talked about in this episode. And of course, if you want to hear more content like this, you go to Zomia1.com and you can sign up for the Zomia 1 Underground and get your hook up to thousands of hours of content, as well as new content only available there uh, You know when you become a member of the Underground. And anyway, that'll wrap it up for this episode. Thank you to all the sponsors. Make sure you frequent them, and I will see all of you whoo, on the other side. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com. And connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.